Cinemapod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to our latest Spoilers special interview, one that represents the final act of our coverage of the latest Disney Plus MCU show, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or Captain America and the Winter Soldier, as it might now be officially called. I'm still a little bit confused by that, actually. Anyway, that is of course a spoiler, but then if you are listening to this, you are through the spoiler looking glass and just in time too to hear my extended interview with the show's head writer and executive producer Malcolm Spellman. I caught up with him recently and we got into it about a number of the show's key plot points and developments from Sam Wilson becoming Captain America, his key discussion with Isaiah Bradley, the retconning of Simo into Baron Simo, introducing the Wakandans into the fray, Bucky's emotional throughline, and whether or not John Walker is a bellend. Well, I may not have used that word, but you get the gist. I've interviewed Malcolm twice now, and I love talking to him. He's got a wonderful, no-bullshit attitude. But even though we had a decent chunk of time, we're not talking Chris McQuarrie length here, so there were a number of things we didn't quite get around to, such as the Flag Smashers and what they were up to, Fal and what she was up to, and perhaps the thorniest issue of them all, Sharon Carter and what she was up to. Power broken much? Mm? Anyway, maybe another time. Maybe. In the meantime, here we are, around 35 minutes of Malcolm Spellman casting one hell of a spell man. Spellman. Malcolm Spellman, Spellman. Spellman. Enjoy. We're delighted to be joined on this very special The Falcon and the Winter Soldier spoiler special, or should I say Captain America and the Winter Soldier spoiler special by the show's creator, head writer, executive producer, Malcolm Spellman. How are you, sir? Hello. I'm good, man. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. How 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 has been the how's the last week or so been since the last episode aired? Have you been decompressing? Have you been keeping an eye on the internet? What's what's what have you been doing? I'm avoiding all press and 90% of internet. Um, I'm trying to, you know, I feel like I need to stay sort of in a bubble so that I can create the way I, the creations I I did to get here, you know, I need to stay in the same state of being to continue in that zone. Um, But I am not unaware that it seems like shit is registering in a pretty major way. (laughs) I think you hit the nail on the head. That's kind of where I wanted to start. I wanted to start with that little, that lovely bait and switch that you did at the end of the of the last episode, um, because we had a we had an inkling that this show was going to end with Sam being Captain America. But there was something wonderful about seeing it there on the on the screen at the end, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Was that always the plan from from minute one? No, but let me tell. It was probably Marvel's plan. So let me tell you what happened. Okay, in every episode where credits began and when we introduced the Falcon and Winter Soldier to create that sense of control and structure, like when that appears, that's all storytelling in a given episode. And it appears in different spaces, right? Mm -hmm. And a tremendous amount of uh, thought went into those moments, right? And so Marvel on their own accord for that last episode timed it for the end. And I didn't know it was going to say Captain America and the Winter Soldier. And it crushed me. When I saw it, it just crushed me. 
Like, and and they just were dialed in. Like, I think they knew at some point as we were having those broader conversations, someone, whether it's Kevin, Nate, Zoe, I'm not sure, could have been out of, could have been one of those people. Someone must have said, guys, wouldn't it be awesome if we just held off on the last one and it said this? And so I was watching a rough cut and I saw that and it just, oh man, it, 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 it kicked me in the heart. Yeah. Interesting enough as well, though, it says Captain America and the Winter Soldier. And I did wonder whether there'd been any talk about uh, Bucky's name changer for that, because obviously the Winter Soldier is a a name that that carries with it a fairly checkered past. This has been asked to me a couple of times, and I should have gone and done the work to ask (laughs) what Marvel was thinking. In my opinion, the, the reason they left it and the Winter Soldier is solely based on they knew it was going to have the emotional effect that it had the way it was written. It wasn't really about like, cause I think we very clearly have evolved Bucky and sent him on a fresh trajectory. This winter soldier is behind him, but I think this is my guess. My guess is had they played with uh, Captain America and, uh, uh, and Bucky Barnes or Captain America and the white wolf, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Had they done any version of that, it would have created too much logic in your head about what they're saying and the emotional impact of how they did it might not have been as, as, as what's called. So I think it was simply a choice about emotional impact, but I don't know, but I don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's, let's talk about stuff that, uh, that you were planning as well. So we were expecting Sam to become Captain America and he becomes Captain America. He, he is Captain America at the beginning of the episode when he flies through that window and he says to that dude, he goes, I'm Captain America. Um, and that's really interesting that he re- he claims the title so early in the episode. Um, what sort of discussions did you have and what sort of thoughts did you have about that? All that shit was methodically argued, laid out in story and positioned for what we felt like was maximum dramatic impact. You know what I'm saying? That last scene at the end uh, where the truck is falling and he props it up. We, we're thinking about that moment when we're writing episode one, two, three, four, where, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the kind of thought that went into it. And where we landed was Sam, after that episode five, after Isaiah basically presents his biggest fears as being valid. You know how most of the time you have to overcome your fears? Mm-hmm. Isaiah says, here's your biggest fears, right? And they're valid. They're real. It's the truth, right? So any decision you make will have to be in the face of that. Yeah. Goes home to his sister, kind of confesses that I don't know if, you know, I have it in me. Like, I wonder if I've, if all my heroism has just based and been in running away from the fight at home, which is sort of the fight of dealing with being a black person in America. Right. Mm-hmm. And the sister alleviates him of that says, you know, whatever it is, at no point did we ever think you were a coward. You know what I'm saying? You always been a hero to us, some version of that. At that point, he's gone through his journey. Right. And the suit is sitting there waiting on him. And then it would have been, I think, manipulative to hold off for that Captain America moment when we already knew we're going to have a big hero moment. We're going to have the big truck moment. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, um, or, or yeah, I think it's that sequencing or whatever, right? That's it right. would have been manipulative storytelling as opposed to 
intuitive storytelling and organic storytelling. And can I say this? Nate would probably say, and Marvel would say, you turn the guy into Cap, let him be Cap for an entire episode. You know what I'm saying? And you're, I, I'm absolutely right. In that sequence as well, you have those two guys who are filming it and you know that, that exchange, hey, it's Black Falcon. No, it's Captain America. And that's for interest because by the time he... By the time he lands after after Carly has been killed, and he lands and he has that exchange with the uh, the senator and the other politicians, it's important that he is Captain America because he needs to have that authority in that moment. That is exactly right, and that is his that is his him showcasing he is now Captain America, and now he's showing you why he is unique as Cap. Yeah, because he's um he's delivering a speech that has elements of what Steve might have said, but it is so also demonstrably Sam. How long did you work on that speech and getting getting right what he wanted to say and getting those things? I'm, I'm going to quote directly here, you know, I'm a black man carrying the stars and stripes. What don't I understand? Every time I pick this thing up, I know there are millions of people out there who are going to hate me for it. How long did it take you to craft lines like that? That was an eternity. And a ton of that was me working with first Marvel kicked me in the ass, you know what I'm saying, a million times. Then I had to work with Anthony because he has to believe it. You know what I'm saying? And so me and Anthony were on the phone for hours going through that thing and massaging it and 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 just going back and forth with it because it 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 had to be because we're both black, it couldn't be anything neither one of us believed. You know what I'm saying? Mm And it definitely couldn't be anything that Sam didn't believe because some of, you know, Sam's DNA is sticky with Anthony's in real life. You Did you know that? You know, Anthony's from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. All right. You know what I'm saying? So the, none of that was done by accident. So we worked very, very hard on it together, worked very, very closely with Marvel. And I definitely knew that I didn't want his, bi- I wanted his big cap moment to reflect that this Captain America if we one of the things we approach this thing with, if you look at the blip creating something that feels like a global crisis, very familiar to the global pandemic, global warming, global collapse in uh, equity, financial equity, all that. Right. Mm-hmm. That we want that to feel like that. Most of the world, even people in the richest countries feel like they're struggling. Right. Yeah. Who understands struggle better than a black man from the South in America? You know what I'm saying? And if most people feel like they're struggling, then one thing that makes this cap unique with no super serum, with no blonde hair and blue eyes, we can look eye to eye and trust me, I feel you. And that's what we wanted to sort of showcase for him. You know what I'm saying is Mm -hmm. this is a cap that is like Steve Rogers was for the people, but it's, it's an older story. It's for the people meant he's the skinny underdog that gets beat up, right? Mm -hmm. The world has become much more sophisticated and complicated, right? For the people needs to mean something different. And I think a black man having a shorthand with everyone of every race, including poor working class white people, if you are struggling, you know when this Captain America lands, y'all got a shorthand and he feels you. There's the uh, the sequence where where Sam's making his speech, except it's not really a speech, it's more of an impromptu discussion with the with the senders but it's being broadcast on tv and obviously we see that you know isaiah is watching it did you consider at any point cutting to 
someone watching the TV, perhaps from behind. It's an old silvery head with an old wizened hand, perhaps on a moon base somewhere. And, you know, if you can afford it, Chris Evans's voice <laughs> going, way to go, Sam, way to go. It, it is, it is, I'm leaving this alone. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. There's no easy, that's the only appropriate answer. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough so you're 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 neither confirming nor denying that steve rogers could be out there at this moment in time all i'm right. neither confirming nor denying all right no worries you mentioned there isaiah and that discussion between sam and isaiah in episode five for me is astonishing and uh and the the, the highlight of the entire series and how difficult was that to write so there was it was it was Dalen who wrote that uh, that scene. But what sort of discussions did you have with him, and what sort of discussions did you have with with Anthony about nailing that scene? Because there's some really hard truths and some some interesting statements are are made in that in that scene. So to be clear, all of us have our fingerprints on every episode. It yeah. isn't literal. Like when you're dividing up an episode, anything you're giving me credit for on that speech or in the first episode. Other writers had their fingerprints on, as is with those episodes, right? Mm-hmm. The Obviously, I'm going to have a strong hand on the Isaiah scenes. Mm-hmm. It is the thing I showed up to do. Um, um, and just like Dalen has a strong hand all over the series himself, right? We wouldn't be working together, you know what I'm saying, if, mm-hmm. if, he, if he didn't. To me, when we were mapping out Isaiah, one thing we knew was... We wanted him to be the living embodiment of Sam's doubt, doubt, and we wanted everything he said to be true. And that he needed to break Sam's heart for him to for Sam to become Captain America. He needed to come and come to face to face with what he was going to be up against and what he's up against is everything Isaiah has experienced. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If he's going to take on the stars and stripes that need to be embodied and, you know, we work really like that is to me, I agree with you. That is the episode five is my favorite episode. And it is my favorite episode because of what Carl Lumley did with Isaiah. And, and just like, it's hard to watch for me still to this day. You say that you wanted to come on and, and specifically do Isaiah's story. And you have that first confrontation. It's not even a confrontation, but the scene where Bucky brings Sam to his place in episode two and then it's episode five where you pick up that that strand again. Is that something that you toyed with? Did you toy with having that in an earlier episode or revisiting Isaiah? Yeah, all that got got met. You, you're playing with all that, right? Yeah. And the math on how it lands is this: what has what has happened and what has Sam been through that are going to make these encounters with Isaiah have the weight that they do. And that determines how often Isaiah appears and how he appears. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so every single thing gets litigated creatively. Um, but you gotta, you gotta know this. More doesn't always like what's the woman's name? Uh Judy Dench won an Oscar yeah. for best supporting actor with eight minutes of screen time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You gotta be the most potent and most organic and most honest first before you worry about how often a character uh, appears. And again, was that uh, like Sam's speech in episode six? Was that something that went through multiple iterations 
Uh, yeah. And, you know, some of the stuff that I, I, Isaiah says is, uh, really, powerful and and you know again i'm going to quote directly you know they will never let a black man be captain america and even if they did no self-respecting black man would ever want to be which he sees as an admonishment of sam sam sees it as a challenge in a way that he almost not initially but he he comes around to it eventually but that's that's a hell of a thing to put into into a superhero show quote-unquote superhero show yeah it, it is and we we I don't know how far from speaking Sam's truth he is, because at that time, Sam still hasn't taken up the mantle. Yeah. And so does Sam disagree with him? Does he pick up the shield right after that to prove him wrong? Mm -hmm. No. You know what I'm saying? Like it is Sam has not picked up that shield and he needed to hear that because that is also true. And and though, of course, Isaiah is going to lighten up a little bit, just a teeny bit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? By the mm -hmm. end and acknowledge that Sam is special, right? Mm -hmm. Same way Steve was special for the super serum. He, I, we, I, Isaiah believe that what he said is true. It is not appropriate for a black man to carry those stars and stripes in that capacity. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because <laughs> I don't want to get into that, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because CNN, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a delicious wrinkle as well, Malcolm, um, which is the Sam's new costume, which we didn't really talk about, is designed by the Wakandans. And I love when the Wakandans just showed up, AO and the Wakandans just showed up. And it, it all made sense. So of course they would show up because they have this connection with Simo, they have this connection with Bucky. Um, at what point were you thinking of introducing them? From the beginning, that like once you learn some lessons at Marvel, right? Mm -hmm. You're not gonna just get to use characters you think are cool, right? Because I tried, you know what I'm saying? And they're like, no, bro, they gotta, they they have to have a reason to be in your series. Because if it had been up to, you know, when I first walked through the doors and I was naive, I'm like, fuck that, we'll bring Tony Stark back from the dead. We'll do it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want all my favorite characters in this thing. Deathlock's gonna walk through the door, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then they're like, you do not get to do that, right? Mm -hmm. It just has to be. And you know, I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit. Um, but I think what was awesome about the Wakandans is they got history with Zemo. They got history with Bucky, right? Mm -hmm. They got history with the shield. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they appear organically, but it is not lost upon anyone who made this series that they are also black. Just like when you see Sam and Rhodey talking in the beginning, we were like, this is a fucking iconic moment. Mm -hmm. Two of Marvel's most prominent black heroes right now are just having a moment together with no one else around. And without saying shit, you get that that's on the table. You know what I'm saying? Like, you imagine if we had rewound a tape of the MCU, how many times did Rhodey and Sam need to probably go get a drink to talk about the cops pulling them over or yeah. someone saying something inappropriate, you know what I'm saying? Or yeah. to talk about a bank loan not going through, you know? And that plays into it as well. There, there are moments in... In the confrontation in, in episode four, where you really feel it, you really feel that you know a Walker in in particular, which is really interesting because Walker is a guy that you wouldn't necessarily say on the surface of things is racially motivated. He has right. he has a, a black best friend. His wife is is also black, and and but at the same time, there's there's an element of misogyny with the way he deals with with 
the Wakandans, but there's also potentially an element of of him being slightly discomforted by the fact that he's being dominated by 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 three black women as well. It's funny because people want to believe that you show up with a political agenda when you write, right? Yeah. And it's not that. Walker embodies a lot of shit that makes us incom- un- uncomfortable, even just the iconography of him, right? Mm-hmm. You, I don't have to start listing the things you think of when you think of him. Mm-hmm. But he's not just those things, right? Mm-hmm. That Like, he is actually a human being. He actually does love Lamar and does love his wife. And that is how life works. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, people are. And we felt like the conversation is much more honest and active and alive if we don't cast him as a villain. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Let let him be well-rounded. And then God bless uh, Wyatt Russell for adding 57 extra layers to it. You know what I'm saying? With his performance that we could have never hoped. Shit you would have just not believed you could have achieved. You know, he achieved. But uh, but I agree that that a man with a gun and that shield using excessive force speaks to something. But if we if we have a if we showed up with a political agenda, it would just be that mm-hmm. those people did kill his best friend minutes ago. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and that's what we wanted to be careful with. We didn't want to demonize Walker. We don't want to demonize nobody with this thing. You know what I'm saying? But with Walker, that does bring us to the the end of episode four, which is I think if the conversation between Isaiah and Sam is the high point of the show, the standout image for me is Walker shot from a low angle with that shield, with everything it represents, dripping with blood. I was asked something that you had pinned up on your wall from minute one, like, I want to get to this point. We knew we wanted Walker to, to go to that direction. The filmmaker, Kari, is the one who brought that to life, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And because you got to have an eye to do that, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, the books have, abs- obviously the books have covered it a bunch of different ways. I think he, at one point in one of the books, he hangs him over a balcony and, you know what I'm saying, by his throat or whatever. But yeah, we knew we knew what feeling we wanted to create and Kari brought it to life. And with Walker, did you sense, I mean, you said you didn't want him to be a villain, but he does kill that flag smasher in cold blood and he does get Hot his blood. ass handed to him. Hot blood. Hot blood. <laughs> but it is a difference. And the, and the court makes a difference because it is wrong, right? Yeah, it is wrong, but you're not really having the conversation if you don't come fresh off Lamar. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, if we weren't on a Zoom, mm-hmm. I would give you real life comparisons. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All these factors to me make it way more complicated, right? Like, absolutely, Walker embodies privilege and the rage that comes from loss of privilege, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at no point has he not earned his position, you know what I'm saying, as far as before he gets the shield. He was the, one of the greatest soldiers out, you know what I'm saying? He did dedicate them. Like, we didn't want anything to not be a complete conversation. We didn't want it, because then it's, then it's not, if you just demonize him and say, oh, John Walker is just angry white man, you can dismiss it because the writers and creators are being uh, political. But if Walker embodies real problems and real strengths that exist in people, then you have yourself a conversation and then it's harder to hide from whether or not we are telling the truth through that, through that character. 
Mm. And uh, and of course, what is there a more damning indictment as well of of modern America than this guy does fuck up so monumentally? He does kill someone in hot blood in front of yeah. full view of the world and gets a promotion. Essentially, <laughs> I mean that's it, listen again. I don't want to use real life anecdotes because mm-hmm. then it becomes something else. But how does how do things go? You know what I'm saying? Like, there is a system, and I would say this. Walker does, I do feel like this. Yes, Walker gets to slap on the wrist, right? But we balance that with the tremendous personal and psychological toll of your best friend has been murdered. Does anyone really spend a minute who thinks Walker got off totally easy thinking about this man dedicating his life to this country as a soldier? And what it would mean to be less than honorably discharged, right? That is as big a fucking gut punch as an Olympic medalist losing their medal, right? On top of that, psychologically, when he goes, no one talks about this. That dude is going to Lamar's family and he's so ridden with shame and self-doubt that he fucking lies to them about what happened. All of that is great personal and psychological costs, but yes, as far as the system's concerned, smack on the wrist and, you know, don't do that again. And then, of course, the, the extra layer of cynicism is when Val walks to the door and says basically what you said, which is now that you've gone to your journey, let's get real about failing upwards. Episode three, Malcolm, I want to go back to episode three. And that that really belongs to, to Simo, who is having an absolute blast. Daniel Brule is having a, a blast in this. God um, bless him. I don't know how much you were paying attention to the internet when that, that show came out, but uh, the shot of Simo dancing alone seemed to break things. So we knew this. We wanted, we described the Zemo relationship with Sam, but particularly Bucky, particularly Bucky, as a genius playing with a broken toy, right? And it's from the moment he meets Bucky, right? Daniel Brule understood the spirit of that character so much. There's no way, I mean, he just inhabited it. You know, I'd written him an email saying it was like watching jazz because you're taking, he was taking those elements and just playing them with just little hesitations and smirks and a stutter and a, and just, I, I just, I mean, again, all the main cast elevated everything we could have ever imagined beyond our imagination. He just, he's crushing it in every scene. He's he's really interesting as well because you you introduce this backstory for him also which which comes from the comics you know he's he's Baron Simo he's he's moneyed um, was there a discussion about that given that in Civil War he seemed to be something very very different Yeah I mean th- he was naked enough in Civil War that we didn't feel like it was a violation of anything you know what I'm saying and we were able to take he did he clearly didn't like super soldiers in Civil War you know what I'm saying. Um, 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 so we had that going for us. And in that second Avengers, uh, uh, some people really did, you know, fuck up his country and his life, you know what I'm saying? And so regardless if the character appeared different in behavior and tone, the truth of what we were playing with got manifested through the creation, through Brule's acting, through Carl Carly's directing and people embraced it. And, his opinions, just like everyone else, you know, every villain in this or every antagonist, there are no villains. Every antagonist in this series um, believes they're a hero 
But with Lair extra, we wanted to go through. Because Thanos also agrees he's a hero. He's a villain, though. He's not an antagonist. He's a villain. He's actively trying to cause harm, right? Um, but we wanted to go one layer deeper and say, neither do they believe they're heroes. Their ethos is completely relatable to, to people out there, right? I, I don't know how much of what Zemo says you would disagree with, including his opinion on Avengers. What they, how much do you would you excuse the Avengers for destroying your country and your family, you know what I'm saying, in trying to say the point, like, it, it is, I think, beyond his opinions on supremacy and just heroes in general, people who are overpowered, right? I don't know how many people out there would disagree with that. Way too many people have way too much power. It's interesting. I think I think the Avengers is his one blind spot in a way, and that, you know, obviously they were trying to save Sokovia from Ultron, but then it's about cause and effect, isn't it? Ultron doesn't exist without the Avengers, without Tony Stark, so... Actually, maybe he is onto something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is the pursuit of power and supremacy mm-hmm. creates Ultron mm-hmm. and creates a problem and approaching a situation from us. Like, if you don't have the Avengers, you have a lot of people that probably have to beg for their lives. Who knows if they could have convinced Ultron? They don't have power and supremacy. They they don't get that voice. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so it's, it's interesting that Simo is not... You're absolutely right about Simu because he's not fucking around. When he gets a chance to end Super Soldiers, he takes that chance to end Super Soldiers. The minute he sees Carly, episode four, he just shoots her in cold blood. Doesn't kill her, but That's he shoots right. her. You know, he has his butler blow up the remaining Super Soldiers at the end of the uh, at the end of episode six. Um, but also at the end of episode five, when he has a confrontation in Sokovia or that 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 conversation with with Bucky, he seems to be ready to die in a way is is that how you read the conversation is that how you wrote that conversation it, well what's going on remember i said the thing about broken toys mm-hmm. bucky and zemo were always headed towards that moment we always knew it was coming right what maybe wasn't coming across in the writing zemo's considering killing bucky too this whole series and the whole time you see him he's thinking about killing bucky he he makes an exception for steve steve is the one exception to my philosophy Bucky is not. What he decides about Bucky is Bucky was not pursuing supremacy. Bucky is a victim, right? Mm -hmm. And he also knows that him and Bucky have a reckoning coming, right? Mm -hmm. And for him to like, can he mastermind that he's going to be blowing up a truck at the end of the series, right? No, but I think he was not unaware that Bucky is aware of this sort of collision course too. And part of Zemo's journey was to have that out because of their history, because of the manipulation of Bucky's mind. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Zemo sort of having that's if, you know, if he's having a reckoning and a a redemption, not a redemption, but a absolution of absolution of his sins. Mm -hmm. It is with that moment with Bucky. Bucky is obviously interesting as well. I I wanted to ask, uh, just very, very quickly, first of all, about the, the failsafe that the Wakandans put in where his arm falls off in the, in the middle of battle, which <laughs> I love. And it makes perfect sense. If you have someone as dangerous as he is, you put a failsafe in, right? That's Zoe. Z- uh, the, Nate's partner, Zoe from Marvel. Uh-huh. Whole thing. Acted it out. Told us why it was in there. Did the hand gestures, even with some kung fu sounds. But yeah, absolutely, right? Like, what you want with the Wakandans 
is an awareness. You can't say these people have superior tech to start, vibranium, but not the capacity to forecast on the level of someone like Zemo, right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, they would have that in there. And I, I did want to ask just very quickly about, about Bucky, about Bucky's story and how you locked into his story. Sam and his goals, as we said, you know, we figured he might finish the season as Captain America holding the mantle of Captain America. Was it harder to lock into Bucky, what Bucky wanted and his emotional goals? No, we were clear on him. I feel like it's all there. We wanted to take, it's disturbing what Bucky did throughout his life become disturbing when you find out he what he did to the Stark family, right? Because it's on video, you're like, oh, fuck, you really were a killer. And a part of you really was there. So we knew that journey. We had Yuri be the personification of all Bucky's sins and whether or not Bucky's going to overcome that. Bucky going on this journey where he's gone from one fight to the other, but also thinks avenging can absolve his sins when it can't. Only amends can. Even Zemo is the first true step to amends for him. All the other shit he's doing is avenging. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's not that's not getting him anywhere. Forgiving Zemo and not killing him for what he did to him is the first and not doing anything to him because the Wakanda was gonna get him for no matter what anyway, mm. is the first step to Yuri. And we knew we wanted Bucky post that to have his first hero move. Like every people say this, I'm being long-winded. All our lead characters walk into this series in a state of being with one with an identity. And they all leave with a new identity. And Bucky walks in with all that uh, uh, Winter Soldier baggage and torture. And by the end of this movie, has had his first hero moment ever in our Marvel Universe and ready to become a hero. His first hero moment is not his first heroic moment. His first hero moment is when he saves the, G- the GRC people. Yep. And they give, watch, watch that scene again. And they say, thank you. You saved my life. That's the first time Bucky's ever been treated like a hero. Yeah. There's also that there's, I think Mackie and Stan are fantastic in this series and there's, but there's a moment, there's a moment in their conversation in episode five where Bucky's trying to express himself to Sam and he can't and his voice catches uh, because just the enormity of everything he's done. He's killed potentially dozens, maybe even hundreds of people over the years. And he remembers he's every single one. hundreds of people, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in really gruesome, horrible ways. Uh, and that scene, that scene between Sam and Bucky, I thought was was beautiful. That that You, you really get a sense of their relationship in that, in that episode, you know, from the Bucky's crack about, oh, I, I forget that my, my, I forget that I have the bionic yeah. arm, uh, to that moment, that really emotional moment between the two of them, where Sam gets through to him in a way that I don't think his therapist was necessarily. Again, is that something that was paramount for you guys to get right? Yeah, well, we wanted Buck. We knew this. We had elaborate ass scenes with Bucky at the cookout and with the family. We knew we wanted Bucky to inherit a black family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as part of his reward for making amends. And we knew that Sam, it was downplayed, but it's very alive in this thing. Sam has worked with veterans. You know what I'm saying? And Sam has that humanity that that's the whole thing we said about what makes him special. Who better to get through to Bucky than Sam? You know what I'm saying? Get there. So yeah, that was that was different iterations may have been written, but that was always a planned moment. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Sarah's smile when she sees Bucky for the first time is 
is very they interesting. They want the Sarah Bunky cut. <laughs> there's season two right there. Um, and the very last thing I wanted to ask real quick was you mentioned that there's no villain in this. There's no villain in the show. Uh, Sharon is villainous, I would say, towards the end. And you also have Carly is really interesting because Carly is someone who is constantly stretching the boundaries of her morality as the show goes on. You know, yeah. this 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 sweet, innocent freedom fighter that we meet uh, early on in the show's uh, early stages is blowing dudes up and threatening Sam's family by towards the end of it. And then, of course, killing Lamar, not deliberately, but killing Lamar. Was that character a, a sort of case study for what you wanted to do in terms of yeah, Zemo, morality? Zemo gets it right away. Zemo knows where she's going right away because he understands people he just under he's Zemo. He's fucking Zemo, right? And what we wanted was like I got emails from other filmmakers asking me, saying, "You better redeem Carly." Even after she blew the house, the building up, people thought she was going to come back. You know what I'm saying? Because what Carly believes is extremely relatable, and how she's approaching it is relatable to the point that even Sam is like, "I get it. I, I get what you're going through. I get your struggle, right? But this is the wrong way." I would argue that I'm not justifying nothing Carly did, but I don't think Carly becomes a villain until uh, she says, kill the hostages. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's, that's because you you know at that moment that if she had survived, that was how she was going to be operating from that moment on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Malcolm could talk to you for a long time. There's still loads of stuff to talk about, but perhaps another time. It's been a pleasure. Malcolm Spellman, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. And that was Malcolm Spellman, and that is it for this very, very special The Falcon and the Winter Soldier spoiler special. In case you do want more of us giggling idiots, myself and the podcast team, that is not me and Malcolm Spellman, who is neither giggling nor an idiot, uh, talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or Falls, as I insist upon calling it, we broke down all six episodes, plus a bonus episode behind the paywall. Uh, If you haven't already listened to those, then do so. And we've dedicated a special episode, as we did with WandaVision, to the very best of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, in which we discuss our favourite moments from the show. That is over on the regular free Empire podcast feed, if you fancy that. Our weekly Loki spoiler specials are going to be up and running from June 11th. I know the show is launching on June 9th. But I'm away on that day on a very, very rare day off. So we will be starting instead on that Friday if you want more MCU podcast goodness. All that remains for me to say is to thank you as ever for subscribing and for listening, of course. I'm off to warm up the kazoos. See you next time. Bye. 